Okay, I am going to be speaking on the topic of spiritual direction. And uh, again, my name is Jim Frost. I am a uh, licensed therapist, counselor, work for Agape. Uh, I'm also an ordained spiritual director and have been for a few years. I got my training at Lipscomb. And, um, you know, through my career in counseling, I, I started out, I did go to Lipscomb for my undergraduate work, but I didn't get a whole lot of, I got a lot of psychology and I got a lot of Bible, but I didn't get a whole lot of how you put those two things together. And I uh, did my graduate work at MTSU, became a therapist, and for lots of years I was a therapist and I was a Christian, but I didn't really understand how those two things fit together. Um, over a long period of time, I began to really have a hunger for working from a spiritual perspective and came to Agape 18 years ago and I've been able to do that there. Agape is a Christian organization and probably 70 or 80 percent of my adult clients anyway are Christians who want spirituality to be part of their counseling. And, and I've enjoyed doing that and yet the work that I've done is still often very clinical, meaning that we're addressing problems, uh, depression, anger, anxiety, marital problems, things like that. And people, people come because something hurts and we work on it and it doesn't hurt anymore and then they go away. And, uh, and so I also had a hunger to do work that, uh, for want of a better word, I would call more pastoral, uh, but I didn't really want to work in a church. I didn't really want to be a preacher. And, uh, and so it, it happened that through uh, learning about spiritual direction and especially in my own experience of being in spiritual direction, I decided to pursue training in that and I've been doing that for five or six years and enjoy it very much. So what I want to do today is give you uh, a bit of an introduction to spiritual, uh, spiritual direction, but also uh, I'm going to hopefully kind of whet your appetite for this a little bit. So I would like to begin by reading a story that one writer has used to introduce the topic of spiritual direction. The story is about a wise fish. It seems that there once were some fish who spent their day swimming around in search of water. Anxiously looking for their destination, they shared their worries and confusion with each other as they swam. One day they met a wise fish and asked him the question that had preoccupied them for so long. Where is the sea? The, fish, the wise fish answered, If you stopped swimming so busily and struggling so anxiously, you would discover that you are already in the sea. You need look no further than where you already are. So, in this story, the wise fish would be a spiritual director, and the search is for life in the kingdom of God. And sometimes the busy and the hurried in our lives is the devil. It's the enemy. It what, it's what gets in the way of our realizing what we already have. So I'm going to give you a very quick answer to the question, what is spiritual direction? And we're going to spend some time sort of unpacking it and talking more about it. Spiritual direction is a relationship between two individuals. One would be a trained director and the other one we're going to use the word directee. Uh, that is focused on helping the directee deepen his or her relationship with God. That's really about all there is to it. Uh, now, if we do break that down a little bit, this relationship usually occurs in the context of individual meetings that 
are fairly regular. They usually occur once every four to six weeks. Um, and deepening one's relationship with God has a lot to do with, first of all, just being more aware of God's presence in your life and His uh, activity in your life, uh, and becoming more open to respond to that. Um, so we, we need to stop for a moment and kind of contrast this idea of spiritual direction with some things that are not spiritual direction. First of all, this is not new. You may never have never heard of it. It might be fairly new to evangelicals, but it's, a, it's an ancient tradition. Uh, some people see its roots in uh, the way that one prophet would train another or the way that Jesus worked with his disciples. But uh, direction as we practice it now would be even a little different than that. But it's, uh, it's something that's been part of the training of priests and nuns, uh, particularly in Catholic and Orthodox traditions going back for centuries. Um, kind of in my opinion, the uh, Protestant reformers threw the baby out with the bathwater. And uh, so it's one of those things that's sort of been lost. And in evangelical traditions, we focus more on discipling. But spiritual direction is not discipling and it's not teaching, it's not training, it's not mentoring really. Um, it is not based on any sort of study of a curriculum. It's not Bible study, although we use the Bible frequently in spiritual direction. Uh, but it's not a matter of mastering any content. Uh, it's not preaching. It's not moral guidance. Um, but neither is it authoritarian. It's really not a matter of someone telling you things that you have to do or things that you should do or things that you must do. Uh, probably one of the biggest misconceptions about spiritual direction. And that was really something that I kind of expected to find uh, when I entered it, and I was surprised to learn it was not that way at all. Uh, spiritual direction is also different from counseling or therapy. So being a counselor and being a spiritual director, I have to put different hats on depending upon who I'm working with. But as I said, counseling is typically focused on addressing a problem. There's something wrong. Usually there's a certain amount of discomfort uh, it could be in a relationship, it could be uh, a clinical problem like depression or anxiety, worry or so forth. And, you know, we address that and then when we have uh, fixed it, so to speak, then the process ends. Uh, and spiritual direction is much more of an open-ended, ongoing process because we are never going to fully get to the relationship we really want to have with God until we meet God face to face. Uh, counseling also, to a more or less degree, involves a certain hierarchy in the relationship. Uh, the old traditional medical model of counseling uh, from many decades ago, the therapist was the expert and the client or patient was the person who needed the expert. And so there was this kind of hierarchy built into that. Uh, I will tell you that therapy as people are being trained in it now is much more collaborative. It's much less of that, uh, that, that hierarchy. Uh, but in spiritual direction, it's not really a hierarchy at all. I mean, uh, one of the best ways to think about it is both the director and the directee are, are co-listeners to the Spirit of God, who is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate uh, spiritual director. So uh, there's some alternate terms that have been suggested spiritual guide, spiritual companion, spiritual friend, and sometimes people will use these and they're good terms in that they sort of step away from any sort of a suggestion 
that you know we have a guru and a student uh, they're not good terms in that they don't fully capture the process uh, and they can be uh, confusing in, in their own way uh, Dane Anthony is a guy here in town who is a associate of mine who uh, is a spiritual director and I like this term that he uses he calls it guided holy listening uh, it's really just a matter of um, director and directee listening together to how God is active and present in the directee's life um, and so in the first session of spiritual direction the directee comes and sort of shares the story of their faith journey um, and just sometimes just the process of thinking back over your life and seeing all these different little memories you have and these events in your life and how they connect to one another and you begin to see them as story and you begin to see this thrust uh, of where things are sort of going in your life and just the process of preparing for that can be very very helpful sometime and then for sessions after that uh, we simply meet and talk about what's going on in the directee's life day-to-day uh, -day life how they see God active in their life uh, and especially what comes up in prayer uh, and so you know one of the things that ought to be obvious is if you're not willing to devote some time to prayer that's probably where you ought to start um, but even if you are praying regularly and if you have an active devotional life uh, sometimes we're like those fish in the sea we're looking for specific things and we're missing uh, we're missing some other things I don't know uh, have any of you ever heard of the invisible gorilla experiment which I am now going to ruin for you. I am sorry. Uh, it's a, a social psychology experiment, uh, social perception experiment that comes out of a university. If you go to, <coughs> if you go to YouTube and type in "invisible gorilla experiment," or um, actually the, the the video, which is very brief, uh, was constructed and it was shown to to people, and it begins with a slide that says, uh, "This is a test of differential attention." Uh, and you see these two groups of people uh, some of them are dressed in all black and some of them are dressed in all white and they're running around on a basketball court and the white players are throwing a basketball to each other and the players dressed in black are throwing a basketball to each other and uh, it says your job is to follow this and count how many times the players in white pass the ball to each other and obviously the players in black are a distraction right because they're all just kind of running in and out um, and and then afterwards they'll say well how many did you count and most people will accurately count the number of times that the players in white pass the basketball but in the middle of this little scenario which lasts 15 seconds at the most there's a guy in a gorilla suit who walks out in the middle of the stage beats his chest and walks off and 50% of the people who see this video will not see the gorilla because they're looking they're focused on something else and they're missing totally something that's just bizarre and really out of place and really otherwise would be eye-catching um, and so the secret is and this is not part of the experiment God is the invisible gorilla you know God is always there always present always active just like the fish in the sea the sea is always there but we miss him because we're not looking for him we don't expect to see him we don't expect him to be active in our life we don't expect to hear from him 
And so one of the things that happens in spiritual direction is we just kind of help people pull our antenna out a little bit and begin to learn to pay attention to some different things. Um, so there's this theme that runs through the Bible about having eyes but not seeing and having ears but not hearing. And the phrase is first used in, um, in the book of Isaiah. Uh, but I actually like to connect this all the way back to the Garden of Eden because after Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit, it says their eyes were open. And I just imagine angels in heaven, you know, laughing out loud whenever that passage is read. Uh, because while the text tells us their eyes were open, it seems like the rest of the story of the Bible is telling us your eyes are closed. You have eyes, but you're not seeing. You have ears, but you're not listening. You're not perceiving. Um, and so spiritual direction for me is about helping you see and hear what you're missing in life. Uh, and I think of a passage that I really love uh, from Genesis 28. Uh, Jacob wakes up after his dream in which he sees angels descending and ascending on the ladder to heaven. And he wakes up and he says, surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. And one of the reasons that passage resonates with me is because it's been very true of me in my life. God is in this place and I am not aware of it. Um, so just some fundamental understandings that are very helpful to think about in this process. God loves you personally, individually, specifically, not just because you're a person. I mean, it's easy for me to say God loves everybody and I'm a body, therefore God loves me. God loves me. God loves you. God could tell you, he could tick off a list of things he loves about you. Uh, if you are a parent and you have more than one child, you know what I'm talking about here because you love all of your children and you may love them because they're your children, but you love them individually, you love them specifically, specific things about them. God desires a personal relationship with everybody. Uh, with you. And that relationship would involve um, mutually shared presence for you to be more aware of his presence and, um, and to be responsive to his presence uh, as he is always attentive to you. Um, God is always present and active in your life and that presence and activity are always gracious. God knows you better than you know yourself. Uh, Augustine has the famous phrase, God was deeper in me than I am in me. Um, it's more fun to say in Latin if you can say it, but I, can't, I don't know how to read Latin. Uh, God desires to nurture us to maturity, and maturity is to look like Christ. And through spiritual direction, we learn to better experience God's love and graciousness in our lives. Uh, we learn to see and listen, and we're better able to respond to his actions. There we go. So uh, in, in trying to think about this, I always think about a mother and an infant. So this infant, this little baby, is totally dependent on mother. Um, and yet this little baby is largely unaware of mother. Uh, I mean, particularly like a newborn, you know. You're hungry, you cry. You're cold, you cry. You got a wet diaper, you cry. And something just happens. And suddenly you're fed and you're held and you're changed and you're loved on. And, you, you know, this little infant has no understanding of how uh, totally attuned this mother is uh, to him or to her. Uh, and mothers, of course, all parents, you just delight 
when uh, that infant begins to respond to you, you get some eye contact, you get some, some uh, responsiveness. You smile and they smile. I mean, you know, one of the, those milestones that new parents, he smiled at me today, you know? You just love that. You don't love the baby anymore, but you treasure that experience of that responsiveness. And then they can, they get older and they can come to you and they can cuddle with you. And in the same sort of way, as God is nurturing us and we are learning to uh, figure out where all these blessings in our life are coming from, we can also become more responsive to God. Um, another little theme that runs through scripture is this idea of life as a journey and particularly uh, our spiritual life as a journey. Uh, so in, in the story of scripture, people are always being told to leave. Adam and Eve have to leave the Garden of Eden. Cain has to leave after he kills his brother. Um, Abraham is told to leave. Jacob has to leave after his brother wants to kill him. Uh, then he's told to go back. Um, Egypt, uh, Moses leaves Egypt and then God tells him to go back and then he tells him to leave Sinai. It just goes on and on and on. And, uh, and God is always kind of telling people, I need you to leave, I need you to go, it's time to move on. Uh, but he always tells them, it's okay, I'm going to be with you. I will be with you. Um, and so there is this verse um, in, in Genesis where uh, Abraham, who at the time is known as Abram, appears on the scene. And the first thing we hear about him is that God speaks to him and says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. It's another one of those scriptures that just resonates with me. Because if God said that to me, you know, I would say, uh, does this place have a website or a brochure? You got some pictures? I mean, it would be very difficult for me to just pack up and go. I am, I am slow to trust. And yet, that's how come Abraham ends up in the Hall of Fame is because there were more than one occasion where he just takes God at his word and just does that. We've got a bit of a parallel to that in the New Testament when Jesus calls the first disciples. Uh, as it appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, uh, Jesus comes up to some fishermen and says, follow me and I will make you fishermen of fishers of men. And it says that they just left everything and they went and they followed him, much like Abraham, uh, Abram left to go with God. But I really, I really like the story as it's told uh, in John's Gospel. So in John's Gospel, uh, in chapter 1, you've got John the Baptist and he's got his disciples with him and he sees Jesus and he points and he goes, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Uh, and then the next day, a couple of disciples are there with him, and he sees Jesus again, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And so these two disciples began to follow Jesus. Now, I read some things into the text that are not explicitly there. Uh, what, what they don't do is they don't walk up and say, Hi, my name is Andrew. I really wanted to meet you. They don't do that. I, you know, I just kind of interpret it that they're stalking him. You know, they're kind of following him at a distance. Uh, much like we might like to follow Jesus at a distance. We don't want to get too close because he you know, asks some pretty wild things sometimes. Uh, but Jesus is aware that he's being followed and he turns and he looks at the disciples and he says, what are you seeking? To me, it is the single most profound piercing question that Jesus ever asked. What are you seeking? Um, so one of the things about this life of a journey to God uh, is learning to be really deeply attuned 
to what is our heart's deepest desire? What do we really, really want in life? Uh, it's not a question, I don't think, it's not a question that could be answered very quickly. It's not a question that should be answered uh, impulsively. It's a question for us to think and meditate on uh, for a long time. And, and actually in that story in the Gospel of John, in the first chapter, um, again, what I read into that, how I interpret it, Jesus turns and looks at these two guys and says, what are you seeking? And they're totally caught off guard. Uh, the question that they ask is not the question that they want to know. Uh, it's, it, it, you know, they, I kind of imagine them stammering. Um, uh, where, where are you staying? Is what they say. And then there's this beautiful answer from Jesus. Come and you will see. The answer was not the real answer. It was not the deep answer. They were not in touch with the deepest desires of their heart. But the answer of Jesus is still the same. Come and you will see. Come, follow me and you will see. You will find your heart's deepest desire if you come and follow me. So I just, I just love that story. Um, so my personal experience in direction, just to share a little bit with you about that, um, I, th I think many of you were here a few weeks ago when I talked about uh, spiritual retreat. And I talked about the fact that there were years that went by between my interest in going on a retreat and my actually going on a retreat. And uh, my wife would tell you that I don't do anything in a hurry. And this was kind of really true here. I had an interest in spiritual direction long before I actually contacted a director. And one of my, part of my hesitation was I did think that spiritual direction was going to be somebody telling me, well, you need to do this and you need to stop doing that. And, you know, I, I thought somebody was going to start ordering my life and I don't really like people to tell me what to do. Uh, and so it was just kind of a passing little interest. It was not uh, really anything very, very deep. And uh, one day, so this is going to be about close to eight years ago now. Uh, one day I'm putting my newspapers in a recycle bin at a convenience drop-off center and sitting on the top of the bin as I, a brochure catches my eye. And the brochure is for a woman who's both uh, a licensed counselor and a trained spiritual director. Hmm, somebody who speaks my language. Somebody who's a director. This could be interesting. I toss the brochure in the back of my car. Uh, about four to six weeks later, I'm meeting with uh, a woman who was on staff at a church where I was doing some work. Uh, and she said, hey, I've just started meeting with a wonderful new spiritual director. Here's her brochure. You guessed it. Same lady. Hmm. Put that one on the bookshelf. Um, some weeks later, I'm having breakfast with a minister, and the minister says, have you ever heard of, and he mentions the lady's name, and I said, no, but that's the third time her name has come up in, you know, three months, and he says, well, she's a spiritual director. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, God, I'll contact this lady, and I did, and I began the process of spiritual direction about seven years, a little over seven years ago. And, um, you know, and so my own experience, uh, as it turned out, uh, there was something that happened in my life. Uh, I had an experience the morning of my first uh, meeting with this woman uh, in direction. 
and the experience left me broken and totally unexpected and so we uh, I, I sat in her office and she prayed over us and over the process and I cried like a baby for the next hour uh, and told her my story and she listened to me and she listened to my brokenness and one of the things that I remember really really well that she pointed out to me was she says there's really no Jesus now I had been in church pretty much all my life I taught a lot of Sunday school classes Bible adult Bible study classes memorized a lot of scripture I knew the story um, I had read through scripture a number of times and so this woman tells me there's really not any Jesus in there and I kind of knew immediately that she was right uh, and sort of what she helped me see was that I related to God like this angry kind of Old Testament figure who you know might have a bad day and smite thee in his wrath you know uh, that's sort of I mean this is not God but this was my false image of God this was this was what uh, I had in my head and so I was really very afraid of God um, and so coming out of that one of the things that I began to do was I just began to study Jesus now um, again I had read the Gospels many times was very familiar with the story but I began to really center in on this character Jesus and you know really began to get to know him wanting to know him better and deeper and I began to pray to Jesus in my personal prayer life and begin to have these experiences and you know one of the marvelous things that's happened to me is that I have really gotten to know God uh, and to know Jesus so much better uh, and I immediately as I say that I'm thinking about the passage in the Gospel of John where uh, I think it's Thomas says show us the Father and that'll be enough for us and Jesus says Thomas have you been with me all this while you don't know me you know, um, that was me. That was me. I, I had been hanging out with Jesus in Scripture, but I really didn't know him. Uh, and so for me, my own experience of spiritual direction has been that it was beyond anything I could have imagined. Uh, and I like to say, if it doesn't turn out to be belong any, uh, beyond anything uh, that you could imagine, it's probably not being done right. I mean, how in the world... Um, can we possibly know where a journey with God will take us? It is like, uh, as God said to Abram, uh, go to a land that I will show you, or as I paraphrase it, start traveling and I'll tell you when you get there. Uh, but you see, there is no website, there is no brochure, there are no pictures. We cannot tell you where you're going to go um, any more than an infant can know what adult life is like. I mean, we just have to, we just have to go. Um, so, to begin to think about, well, is this something that might be right for you? Um, I really do believe, uh, just as, you know, for me in my life, uh, I, I had this interest in spiritual direction a long time before God slapped me three times and, you know, <laughs> go see this woman, you know, just kept putting that brochure in front of my face. Go see this woman. Um, you know, there, there, you come to a point of readiness. Uh, I don't think everybody is ready at all points in their life, but I think if you if you come to a point where you have this uh, desire to know God uh, more fully and more deeply, uh, and you're ready to invest some time and some energy into it, uh, 
I mean, a meeting once a month doesn't take a lot of time, but if you only devote an hour a month, you're not going to get much out of that. Um, so, you know, one of the things that spiritual directors may do is may give you uh, some scriptures to meditate on. They may give you some specific ways to pray. My own director that, that I've been working with is trained in the Ignatian, uh, uh, the Ignatian method of direction. And uh, not to get too deep into that, but one of the things uh, Ignatian and Jesuit, same, two, two different words for the same sort of order. Uh, but one of the things that they're really big on is really uh, reading scripture meditatively, putting yourself in the story, uh, imagining yourself there, um, and and then through that experience, really you know, really becoming in that story, really getting something uh, personal out of that. Uh, other directors may may lead you in a different way, but uh, but you you have to commit some time to it. Uh, it's not you know not a tremendous amount of time, but you do have to be willing to sort of put something into it if you want to get something out of it. Uh, and I think you should be open as well to experience God in ways that you don't expect to experience Him. To uh, maybe have some of your assumptions or expectations challenged a little bit. Um, so there, there needs to be some openness there. And that's the same really with any, you know, love relationship. Uh, most of us are familiar with the fact that uh, you meet somebody, you fall in love, and you have this stage of infatuation, um, and you get to know them better, and suddenly discover some things about them that you did not see before. Uh, but as you stay with this person, that relationship and that love deepens and deepens and deepens, uh, and and you you get to know that person on uh, more than just a superficial level. So uh, a, a passage of scripture that I love. This is Jeremiah 29. I forgot to put the reference on there. Uh, God says, you will seek me and, ye and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Uh, God is a God who desires to be sought. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to look for him. But he is also a God who desires to be found, who intends to be found. It does not say, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. It says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He does intend to be found. Uh, and so sometimes for me, I think of life as learning to hear those little over here, you know, which, which kind of happens from time to time in life. Sometimes God sort of comes in really loud. Um, but sometimes it's a little whisper. It's learning to attune your attention uh, to, to hear those things. And then... Um, this lovely passage from Jesus, which is something that you could just take home and meditate on. Um, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, a typo, if anyone hears my voice, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Uh, notice what the passage does not say. Jesus does not say, Hey, if you don't come to this door, I'm leaving. Jesus does not say, if you don't open this door, I'm kicking it down. He says, I'm still here. As long as it takes. When you hear my voice, open the door, and I'll come in, and we'll fellowship with one another. So I think that is the end, and it is. Um, questions? 
Yeah. You know, you talk about the formal versus the informal. Are you really talking about, I mean, we've grown up in church. If you've grown up in church, formal is expecting your preacher, your Bible class teacher, to be the spiritual direction, correct? Um, in a lot of ways, I mean, we've kind of come to that expectation that, or BSF or something like that. That's So this is really changing from that. You still keep that, right? But yes. the informal, this yes. is an informal kind of one-on-one yeah. kind of setup. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, the way that I would describe it, uh, I think, is this. So, uh, and not to get too deep into this, but uh, if you think about Catholic and Protestant, and um, Catholics are very big on the inner workings of grace and learning to cooperate with grace and the sacraments that, you know, in Catholicism actually impart grace and so forth. Uh, Protestants, you know, we've got this thing right here. And so we're going to study it, and maybe we're going to go to Bible class, and we're going to go to BSF, and we're going to memorize it. And, and I am not against any of this. I read my Bible every day. I love Bible study. Uh, but Protestants, you know, there's a reason why we have an expression, Protestant work ethic, because Protestants are kind of, we're going to do this. We're, you know, we can do this. Um, and, in, as, and I'm not a Catholic. I mean, I'm a member of this church. Uh, and I've never been a Catholic, but I'm very interested in uh, the baby that I think the reformers threw out with the bathwater. So I study Catholicism and go, ooh, I can use that. Ah, never heard that before, but I, but I like the idea of that. Um, and so, you know, within Catholicism, there is this idea more, I think, of using the resources within the church. Um, but it is very different. I don't know if that addresses your question or not, but I tried to. I think it's a different it's a different process I mean uh, I think with your children first of all you love them and you love them unconditionally and you you be God for them uh, you love them the way God loves you and you do teach them and you do train them uh, but you also got to trust them to God too you know um, uh, Jackie uh, does this. Jackie was actually one of the three trainers that I had through the program I went through. She's no longer with Lipscomb, but she has her own program. Uh, Jack, it was Jackie and uh, Randy Harris and a guy from Texas named Virgil Fry. Um, but Lipscomb still does have that, pro that program, uh, and it's, uh, Jackie's not associated with it anymore, but it still does run. Uh, Mike Cagle, who's an elder at this church, went through that program, I think, a year after I did. Um, and uh, I think Roger Harwell went through that program as well. Roger is a member of this church. Uh, I, you know, I do it. Dan Anthony does it. But basically, I mean, I, there's, um, I can I can give you some resources. Uh, Lipscomb also had a program, and I don't know if they still have it or not. But it was. Um, and I'm going to give you the, the title of a program, and you need to don't just say, oh, that's what Jim talked about, uh, because, again, it's not the same. It's changed since Jackie was there. Uh, but the program was called Growing Deeper, and Growing Deeper was uh, a group and individual program that sort of took you through the process of just deepening your spiritual life. It was a, 
kind of like swimming lessons, I guess, a little bit. Uh, and, and it was a very good kind of introduction. Uh, I know that with some of the classes Jackie teaches, uh, she requires people to at least go for three sessions with a spiritual director. Um, and I think people in the Growing Deeper were supposed to meet with a spiritual director. Uh, I don't know if Lipscomb still has that program or not, but Jackie would have a program like that. Um, there, and, and there is, uh, I, I mean, what I have kind of talked about is sort of the traditional one-on-one -on -one direction, but there are also places that offer spiritual direction groups. Uh, not huge groups, but they would be, you know, fairly small groups. And it's not just the director going around the room. It's, it's really sort of interaction. So you've really got several people listening on your behalf, but you're also listening on their behalf as well, too. So uh, I can, anybody, I, I mean, uh, I'll give you a card and I'll be more than happy to share some resources with you if you're interested. Other questions? Sounds good to me. Uh, and I do have my cards, so, you know. <laughs> uh, but would you be a counselor, like, say, for me? Would you be my counselor and your No, I no, I wouldn't. Okay. Uh, and I, I'll tell you this. I mean, you know, in some programs, if you're studying to become a therapist, uh, they require you to go through therapy. Uh, because most of us got into this business to fix ourselves, you know. <laughs> And we, you know, sometimes we learn just enough to be dangerous. Um, I, I have never personally been in therapy. Uh, I sometimes wish that I had, uh, but having been in spiritual direction for seven years uh, has made me a much better therapist. Uh, the training that I took to become a spiritual director has made me a much better therapist. Uh, so being in spiritual direction, I have this experience of being, of sitting in the other chair, you know. Uh, and, and again, just because it happened that, um, that I entered direction at a moment in my life in which I experienced some fairly deep brokenness, um, I could just as easily have been in therapy, but uh, I honestly 100% truly believe that I got in spiritual direction and I got in spiritual direction with that woman because that's where God wanted me to be. Um, you know, when I spoke in here a few weeks ago about retreat, I talk about this Benedictine monastery that I go to, and I'm fascinated with Benedictine life, and I study it, uh, and I teach about that sometimes. Um, and I would have gone out and picked myself a Benedictine spiritual director. Uh, God gave me a Jesuit, uh, which very clearly would have been, I mean, I didn't even know what, anything about Jesuits. Uh, but that was what I needed, because the Jesuits are very focused on Jesus, and, you know, that's what I needed. I mean, that's what she immediately saw that I needed, and that's where she led me, and it was perfect. Changed my life. So, uh, well, I think it's time for us to dismiss. I'll be glad to stick around if anybody's got some other questions. Thanks, guys. <laughs>